Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak in ways that we could hear you. We ask that if there's anything weighing on us or distracting us at this time, that you would give us grace to set it aside so that we can sit from, at your feet and learn from your word. Reign in this time that we might be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to say a special thank you to David for covering for me last week. I'm feeling loads better, but I still have a tickle in my throat. So if I start gagging up here, it's not COVID. It's just a tickle. Have, has anyone ever told you that you look just like your father or your mother? Was that a good thing? Oh, good. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. I remember uh, being at the breakfast table years ago, and my, my sister had poured herself a bowl of cornflakes, and she crushed it down in the bowl, and then she poured milk on it. Does anyone here do that? <laughs> I thought, okay. So my mother was staring at her across the room, just like, and Sarah's like, what, mom? And she said, my father used to do that. And Sarah's like, what? I always do that. She's like, I've never noticed before. But my grandfather used to crush his cornflakes down in the bowl before he poured his milk on. And my sister somehow inherited that. So that's cool. But sometimes we look like we act like the people who have gone on before us. And I think it's usually a good thing. I don't like it when I hear certain people come out of my mouth when I'm speaking. But, you know, typically... It's something that is comforting, and it's a good thing. When the angel was talking to Joseph, he calls him son of David. Now, if you look at the genealogy just before this, Joseph's dad's name was Jacob, not not David. So what's going on there? He's speaking to him and saying his ancestor David, and that there's something about Joseph that looked like David. Now, David did a lot of things wrong. You know, murdering your, your mistress's husband is wrong. Let's be very clear there. But early on in David's life, he was labeled, he was called a man after God's own heart. So when we hear uh, the angel say, Joseph, son of David, that's one of the things that we should take from that. And we'll, we'll look at that a bit more in a moment. But in Matthew, we get to see the birth of Jesus from Joseph's perspective. In Luke, you get to see the birth of Jesus from Mary's perspective, and there's a whole lot more. You know, there's the encounter with the angel, there's the encounter with Elizabeth, there's the Magnificat, there's the the going to the temple and presenting Jesus there. All of these things are there, and they're pretty exciting, and they shake everything up. But with Joseph, the birth of Jesus starts with a great big pain in his heart. Because he was betrothed to Mary. That meant he was pledged to be married to her. So back then, marriage was way different than what we have now. Now you date, you usually live together, and then you get married, right? Back then, uh, if you had a son, it was the parent's job to find your son a decent woman. So you would usually go to friends and say, hey, you're okay, people. Can we... uh, Join our families through marriage in in 14, 15 years, something like that. And that's what they would do. Uh, They'd have this informal arrangement. But about a year before the wedding, 
there would be a legal binding arrangement with witnesses. And though they weren't technically married, they were so connected to each other that it would be possible to cheat on each other and to break off with a divorce. And that's what happened here. So Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. And he knew it wasn't his. So he starts off, and all the emotions we would have if our partner had cheated on us, he experienced all those emotions. The anger, the hurt, the grief of a future thrown away, the shame, was I not good enough? Was I not worth waiting for? All of these things Joseph would have felt just as keenly as we do. And this is where we see the character of this godly man. Because a lot of us, when we are hurt, we lash out. Right? We lash out and we try to cause pain to the one who hurt us. Joseph did not do that. I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of watching daytime talk shows. You're not the father. Right? You know, those, those ones where people freak out, there's chairs thrown. It's so stupid. Joseph was so not like that. And here's the thing. His love for Mary was stronger than the pain caused. His love for Mary was stronger than the pain caused. Do we have that love? Or are we so caught up in what we're experiencing and going through that it justifies sort of a a paying it forward of pain? When we look at Joseph, we see what happens when there's forbearance and tolerance. You know, in Deuteronomy 22, 21, it says that if a woman is caught in Mary's condition, she could be executed. It's not really fair because the guy doesn't have to get executed, but the woman would. But this wasn't happening in Joseph's day, but what often happened was a public, a pub, a public display saying, don't be like this woman. But Joseph didn't do that. He did what was necessary. He knew he couldn't go ahead with the marriage but he did it quietly. He, he, that's what he decided to do because his love was stronger. <clears throat> How stubborn are you? I, I am accused of being kind of stubborn at times and when I set my mind on something, I just do it and do it and do it until, you know, it usually ends in disaster. <laughs> Joseph was not stubborn like that because he had made this, his, his mind up And then he went to sleep, and he had this dream. And that's when the angel said, Joseph, son of David. What does every angel ever say in every encounter? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to change your mind. Do not be afraid to trust here. Do not be afraid to go ahead with those plans of marriage. Don't be afraid. We make the worst decisions when we're afraid. We can act in hateful, spiteful ways when we're guided by fear instead of love. The first message the angel gives is, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And this is the the beautiful part about this, is that she's going to give birth to a son, and you are to name him Yeshua. Yahweh will save. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Mary encountered Gabriel, and, and she, was, she was said, Will you, you know, we want you to, have, to give birth to Jesus. Are you willing? 
Let it be according to me, according to your word. Let it be done to me, right? Joseph is given the role of a father here because in this culture, the fathers did the real hard work, not bearing the child or anything, but giving the name to the child. It's a big responsibility. But this was the father's role, and he said, Joseph, you're going to name this son Yeshua. And he's basically saying, I want you to be the father of this child. And names in the Bible are very important because they capture the character of someone. And Jesus will be named Jesus because he will save people not from foreign armies, not from some nasty pandemic. He will save them from their sins. And sin is that corrosive waywardness that we all have that damages our relationships with people and throughout all of creation. Jesus is coming to save us from that. Let's just pause for a second and talk about prophecy. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the 90s, my friend uh, sort of inherited a Ford Windstar. It's a Ford Windstar. Don't you, don't you recognize the Ford Windstar? It went through the parents in his family and then uh, each of his three sisters, and then he got the Ford Windstar. And we called this thing the Posse Wagon. And we used this posse wagon to get all over the city of St. John. We used it to move people when they were moving apartments. We used it just to hang out in the wintertime, like a day like this. We would be out in parking lots doing donuts and stuff like that. So we did it for entertainment. And my favorite memory of the posse wagon was my mom had this big barn in her backyard that was slowly falling into the neighbor's yard. So we needed to tear it down. And there was a lower roof, and we had taken out all the supports but one. And we were, my friend and I were looking at this big roof, and I think one pillar holding it up. And each of us had a sledgehammer, and we were taking a crack at it. And then after three or four cracks, I'm like, this, this is probably a bad idea. So we got the posse wagon, and we tied a, a toe strap to the pillar, and then we, we gunned it. And the, the pillar came out, and the roof came down. It was a great vehicle. Um, so the point of the posse wagon and prophecy is this. The point of the minivan was to carry a family around, right? But in different circumstances, things needed to be changed a little bit. You could take out the back seats and fill it full of people's furniture. Or you could tie up a toe strap and tear down a building. It could be used in different ways, and it was still honoring its purpose. When we look at prophecy, and it talks about, the, the angel says, This is to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the original context, in the Hebrew, it's not virgin, it's young woman, which was probably a virgin, but not necessarily. But in the original context, the prophecy, it didn't matter. Because what was the point of the prophecy was to say, listen, King Ahaz, within three years, the armies that are threatening you are going to be dealt with. 
by the time this kid knows the difference between right and wrong, that's going to be dealt with. But here's the really cool thing. Ahaz did not demand the sign. God provided the sign. Why would he do that? So that on this day where the Windstar could be carrying a family around, tomorrow you could be tearing down a building. He could use it to say, this is how I am going to bless the world. A virgin, and yes, they knew what virginity was, and yes, they knew how children came, would, would give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. God was with Israel. He defeated their enemies. God was going to be with us through Jesus and deliver us from our sin. Where um, Joseph is told to call Jesus, Jesus, we are calling him Emmanuel. And there's something, there's two passages that really come to mind when you hear Emmanuel. One of them comes from Colossians 1, where it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and that the fullness of God dwelt in him. And then Matthew 28, Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is with us. Joseph's action of becoming a father to this boy meant blessing for everyone else. His selflessness in inconveniencing himself meant that others would call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph's love was greater than his pain. His selflessness gave room for Jesus to do his ministry. Have you ever forgotten to set your alarm? And then the next morning you are up scrambling trying to get everything done? Joseph wakes up the next morning from this dream not with that panic but with an intention, intentional urgency to do what, Jesus, what, God, what the angel told him to do. He didn't just speak or anything like that. He lived it as we are called to do as well. Jesus was a gift to us. That's what the whole virgin birth thing was about. It was God giving himself to us, but including us in that. Like Mary, we are to allow the Christ life to grow in us. Like Joseph, we are to declare who this is and live intentionally and selflessly so that he could be glorified in and through us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. And we pray that you would give us grace to look upon these examples of faith in Joseph and Mary and with what they lived through. And we pray, God, that you would give us such love that it drowns out our pain and give us such a sense of your call that we could live for you and that you would be glorified through us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.